Well, I do want to offer you just a bit of, uh, of comfort during this time as you are uh, having to stay at home, social isolation, quarantining, all that stuff. Uh, a little bit of comfort that you're not here this morning. It is hot as blazes in this sanctuary. And so you know, if, you, if you see some of, the, some of this action going on, just know, you, know you, you have the AC working in your favor this morning. Maybe you've heard this quote circulating around the internet during this time. Uh, I, I found it uh, particularly uh, enriching to consider this quote whenever I saw somebody say, I didn't know I would be giving up this much for Lent this year. Because it does seem like we are giving up quite a bit for Lent. While Lent is a season for us to uh, to imitate the life of Christ who gave up of everything and isolated himself in order to draw nearer to God. We find, find ourselves in a similar situation more drastically and dramatically than I think we anticipated uh, as we were entering the season of Lent for 2020. And I recognize that during this season of social distancing and isolation and self-quarantining, all of these other hot-button words that are going around, that we also have to deal with a vast amount of disappointments. Weddings have been postponed. A wedding we were supposed to have here in the church was uh, postponed until later this summer. My sister's wedding, which was, uh, was, suppo was supposed to be happening uh, just yesterday, yes, yesterday. Um, all of these uh, weddings that, are, that have been planned for the springtime for lovely weather have had to be postponed during this time. Vacations have been canceled. Schools are not able to support children in the same way that they have uh, been in the past. Parents are having to take on a lot more responsibility. Healthcare workers are overburdened. And we just can't do the things that we used to do. So once again, I'll say... I didn't know that I'd be giving up this much for Lent. Now, oftentimes I like to use a personal or familiar story as a connecting point uh, to the scripture or the theme of the sermon, but I don't really need to this week because during the era of COVID-19, we find ourselves in a valley of fear, desperation, hopelessness, chaos, brokenness, desolation. In other words, it feels like we are in a valley of dry bones. In our text today, uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is whisked away by God to this valley of bones, which, if you think about it, it's a pretty dark and depressing place. Presumably, the only thing that can contribute to a, a valley filled with bones is some massive war or slaughter full of death and destruction. And then it was just left alone until there was literally nothing left but bone. It's eerie. It's ominous. It's gut-wrenching. And yet, it's a little familiar. Now, scholars believe that Ezekiel is actually seeing more of a vision rather than uh, actually visiting this valley physically because in verse 11, God says to Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel, making uh, a metaphor here saying uh, that, that uh, Israel is like this valley 
desolate, hopeless. And so a little bit of background on Israel at this point. So Israel, you know, this nation that was uh, rising up uh, was, this is, Ezekiel is probably happening in the, uh, the like around uh, between 700s and 600s BCE. And so what has happened is after coming out of Egypt, passing through the wilderness for however many generations, finally settling in the promised land, uh, establishing a kingdom, and then King David comes to power, and then there's King Solomon, and then the kingdom split in half, and you have the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, and then, uh, and then during that time, they weaken themselves so much that first we have the Assyrian Empire come up and overthrow Israel, and then we have the Babylonian Empire come up and overthrow Judah, the southern kingdom, and I know that's, that's a lot of history to pack into just like those 30 seconds there, uh, but, but to get this picture... We need this history to know that Israel and Judah, the people of Israel, allegedly God's chosen people, they have been taken out of their normal lives, taken out of their homes, taken and put into exile while these uh, other empires come in and take over their land and do with it what they will. And during this exile, we have a lot of literature that comes up of the people of Israel crying out to God, please, God, restore us, save us. Where are you in the midst of all of this? We have no hope. We feel desolate. We are depressed. What more can happen? And so this is the time whenever many of the prophets come on the scene, and Ezekiel here receives this vision of this valley of dry bones, which God uh, is saying, this right here, this picture this is what my people are going through right now. Israel crying out, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely, they cry. Uh, we, we see that uh, in, in, uh, in Ezekiel uh, verse 11. Because they felt like they were in this valley of fear and depression, hopelessness, Chaos, brokenness, desolation, a valley of dry bones. Now, ironically, we are kind of going through the opposite of Israel. While they were exiled from their homes, we are quarantined to our homes. But the fear, the uncertainty, the hopelessness, it's very similar because just like them, our whole way of life is thrown off due to something we can't control due to something that is beyond our power. And then in the midst of all of that hurt and heartbreak and anguish, God steps in and brings new life. Can these bones live? God asks Ezekiel. Can these bones live? As Ezekiel's looking upon this valley. And now obviously, the answer to that question, can these bones live, is no, absolutely not. Apart from a few fantasy movies, which are fiction, dry bones don't just suddenly come back to life. From any scientific or medical perspective, if you see a pile of bones, then you know that it will never be more than that. Just a pile of bones. That's, that's all bones can be. Whenever God asks, can these bones live? The answer is no, they, they cannot. But 
this is God. And Ezekiel's faith informs him that God is not normal. So he says, oh God, Lord, you know. You know. You know the answer to that question. And I wonder what reason does does he have to say those words, you know, other than that he knows that God does impossible things. That's what God is in the business of doing, impossible things. Now, here's where we need to take a moment and take on a heavy dose of humility. God does miracles. We, we do normal. If ever a miracle happens through us, it is only God who makes it so. In other words, Ezekiel says to God, Lord, you know the answer to your own question. You know, because he recognizes that he, Ezekiel, can't do it, but God can. And so we need to recognize in this moment that new life and restoration and hope, this this kind of hope, is only possible through God. So what should our response be? I said earlier that You know, I I didn't know I'd be giving up this much for Lent. But remember what Lent is all about, drawing nearer to God. In the midst of our sacrifices, in the midst of giving up certain things or taking on other things, all of it is meant to draw us nearer to God in our relationship with God. So in a moment of honesty with yourself right now, you don't have to say this out loud if you don't want to, but in a moment of honesty with yourself, could you say that you have been using this time of sacrifice to draw nearer to God? Have you been using this time of sacrifice to draw nearer to God? I haven't. I've been horribly distracted and, you know, checking the news, uh, you know, scrolling on my phone constantly to see what the new updates are in our area, in our country, in the world. I haven't been using this time wisely to draw nearer to God. But when we literally have nothing else to do, could we maybe try that? Try drawing nearer to God. Ezekiel, when faced with this valley of dry bones, has no other option but to turn to God. What else could he do? He could stand there at the edge of this valley looking down upon this valley of dry bones and say, hey, bones, get up. Get up. Hey, did you hear me? Get up. And they're not going to. Humans do normal. And so instead, he turns to God. In a valley of dry bones, he turns to God and says, you know the answer. You do impossible things. And so when he does turn to God, he witnesses God do impossible things. At the end of this passage, God says, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. You may remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the Holy Spirit, that the Hebrew word for spirit, ruah, R-U-A-H, if you put it in, uh, in English, Ruah can be translated a couple of different ways. It can be translated as spirit, which is what we see here. God says, I will put my spirit within you. It can be translated as wind, 
as the wind blows. Would love a nice breeze in here right now. Or, most commonly, it's breath. Breath. So when God says, I will put my spirit within you, what we can hear are a few things. And remember, we're standing in a valley of dry bones. One, we can hear that God is giving us new life. This reflects the way that Adam and Eve were given life in in the book of Genesis. God puts God's spirit into human beings through wind. Two, we could see, we could, uh, we could, whenever God says, I will put my spirit within you, we could hear God is giving us the same personality. And, and I use personality here for lack of a better word, but, uh, but that we have the same personality characteristics that God has. Love, compassion, holiness, etc. Or three, and what I hear God saying in this passage here in the Valley of Dry Bones, when God says, I will put my spirit within you, God's saying, I will let you breathe. I will let you breathe. In the midst of all of this, I think that we need to take a moment to breathe. So can we do that for a moment together? If, if, if you don't mind, I want, us to, I want us together to breathe for just a moment. So, you know, follow along with me. If you would, just take a deep breath in and let it out. And know that through God, resurrection and new life are coming. God says to the bones, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Friends, we are approaching Easter, the day in which we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and I can't help but recognize this preview of our resurrection in Ezekiel. Even from the most lifeless place, a valley of dry bones, God can still bring new life, and that is what God is willing and ready to do in the midst of our current valley of dry bones. God is looking to bring new life because that's what God does. Look around everywhere. God is in the business of giving life. Even when we can't see it, even whenever we're in a time in which we are seeing great losses, God is still working in the soil to sprout new life. And it's hard to see But God is working and says, Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. So what is our role in all of this? What what are we called to do in the midst of all of this? Look at the most extraordinary thing that's happening in this text. You know, aside from the resurrection of the dry bones, because yes, that's pretty extraordinary. But there's one other remarkable thing that's happening here. God calls Ezekiel to prophesy over the bones. God could have done it alone. God could have stood there and said to the bones, get up, and they would have. But God chooses to work through Ezekiel. God chooses to involve humanity in this great work of bringing life. And it is through Ezekiel's breath, by the power of God, that new life comes, that this valley of dry bones raises up. 
And we get this really graphic image of, of tendons and, and muscles and flesh clinging to the bones and drawing them all together. God chooses to involve humanity to bring life into the world. But first, we have to draw nearer to God. Then, we simply breathe and let God work through us. And so in the midst of a valley of dry bones, I want to challenge us with this question today. Are we willing to draw nearer to God before trying to fix it all ourselves? I imagine in this time, in this valley of dry bones, we are feeling a bit overwhelmed, feeling the anxiety, the stress, the uncertainty, this wave of hopelessness and despair and even desolation in the midst of all of this. And it might be our first inclination to try to fix all of this ourselves and try to make everything right as best as we can. But friends, we are faced with a situation that requires a God who does impossible things. And so my challenge for each of us is are we willing to draw nearer to God before trying to fix it all ourselves. If Ezekiel tried to resurrect the, those bones alone, he would have failed and would have given up because humans only do normal. God does impossible. And so because he allows God to work through him, then Ezekiel gets to be a part of God's work. God is indeed working even in such hard times as this. We just need to be willing to draw nearer to God. So during this time, let us find our breath in God. Let us breathe deeply, knowing that God is still God and we are not. And let us pray together.